The following message is by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. Father, we are thankful for the chance to gather in your presence here and hear you teach us, and we trust, grow us up. That's what we look for this morning, for you to open our eyes and cause us to behold wonderful things in your word, to see it, to hear it, to understand it, and be changed by it. We look to you for that and say, please teach. And more than just teach us in our heads, Lord, move these truths to our hearts, and particularly for, perhaps for some of us here, for whom this will be present help in time of need. Maybe for some who face trouble right now, will you speak this morning to him, to her, to them? Show yourself. Show your good and gracious and near helping self. For all of us then, Lord, make your word clear and build us up. And honor the name of Jesus. It's for his sake and for the good of his people, the church, we pray. Thank you. Amen. Life in this world is often difficult and full of trouble. Trouble that's too much for us to handle. It's beyond us. Last week we looked at Psalm 123 and we saw there the the Lord in merciful help drawing near to help us when we are crushed by contempt. When people around us regard us as worthless, as nothings, unimportant, worthy being scorned, that often hurts and even hurts very deeply. And as we discussed, the Lord then in different ways is committed to drawing near to help us, his beloved people, when we suffer under such contempt. That was Psalm 123 last week. But this week, as we move to Psalm 124, things get a little harder. Because if we think about it, just a second, and look around, there are situations in which a lot of people would say, I wish they just treated me with contempt. I wish they disregarded me. They looked at me as somebody who was so unimportant and so worthless and so meaningless that it wasn't worth the time to address themselves to me. Because instead, they hated me and in great anger let loose an attack against me. And that's different. That has hurt in a different, real way. Contempt would have been sweet. I didn't get that. I got it hurt. That's a reality for a lot of people. A reality that we have to consider and be be real about and one which God wants to speak to and speak into and part of how he does that is through the Psalms, even through Psalm 124 like today. These poetic songs, these these poems, these, these hymns that are the Psalms are given to us by God to address different situations and different 
different needs often to address us in moments of hurt or in trouble. And the idea behind them often is to move what's here in our heads, known, accepted, and to move it into refreshed, lived out experience. To move it into real life. Today, he's going to lead us into thinking afresh about how God wants to help us as we face attack, how God is near as we face trouble that is overwhelming and even potentially destructive. So we're going to look at in Psalm 124, God as helper to lead us out of and away from destruction. That's where we're going. Let me read Psalm 124, and then I'll draw from it two observations. Here's the passage. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124. So two observations And rather than building on one another, they kind of work through the psalm twice. Here's the first. Only the Lord is our sure help in the face of destruction. Only the Lord is a sure help in the face of destruction. A couple phrases from verses 2 and 3 give us an idea about the situation the psalmist has in view here. At some point, people rose against them. That's the end of verse 2. And for some reason, their anger was kindled against us, end of verse 3. So it doesn't say exactly what angered these people. It doesn't say exactly what they did, only what almost came of it. Verse 3, they, they were almost swallowed up alive. In danger of being swept away as by a flood or covered by a torrent. Think, think of a flash flood, raging waters coming against them, almost got them. Verse 6, we were hunted and caught, like prey between the teeth. We were already snared by the the fowler, that's a, a hunter of birds. We were already caught. It was a close run thing. This is dangerous. This is not made fun of, treated with contempt, scoffed at. This is serious danger. And it is not impersonal danger, like something that might happen from an accident or from a a natural disaster or a a flood or a disease or something. This This is worse than that because this has people angered and thinking. That's twice as frightening. Stuff happens, but when somebody's planning and plotting in anger with a goal, that's more worrisome. 
They're, they're after something, the destruction of you, even death perhaps, accomplished violently if necessary. They are angry, powerful, deliberate, and coming for us. That's what they say. That's the situation here in this psalm. Has it ever been your situation? Ever faced anything like that? Now, in America these days, unless you're a combat veteran, you've probably not experienced anybody outright trying to kill you. Maybe in some professions, security guards, police officers, perhaps. But most of us haven't faced somebody outright trying to kill us, which may have been the situation here. But in some other ways, to, to destroy you, to ruin you, maybe you're familiar with that. One day maybe you will be. Deliberate, anger-driven destruction. Maybe, maybe it's because of a broken relationship or a failed marriage. And what comes from that is a scorched earth policy Attempt to spread lies about you to ruin your reputation, to ruin your standing in the workplace, to deceive the courts and take away custody and ruin you financially, leave you destitute, destroy your standing with your friends and, and with your kids, or if they, if they can't do that, at least maybe to, to separate a little bit and to ruin what you had that was so good. Or perhaps it's some business setting or a lawsuit that you faced or something in politics or government you got engaged with and suddenly you met people who were malicious and angry and were not at all interested in trying to work it all out reasonably. Instead, to, to your surprise, you try to talk to them and you found, actually, I think they are deliberately setting this up to ruin me. There's a smear campaign with bias and lies that manipulate in the media and in the courts and the banks trying to take my life. I'm trying to be reasonable, and they're out to kill me, metaphorically. Life situations are going to vary, right? Maybe you've met something like that, or maybe you will meet something like that. Maybe you're in a marriage like that. Somebody who vowed, for better or for worse, to sickness and in health, and now seems more intent on your destruction. What do you do? Well, the purpose of this psalm is not to tell us that such situations exist. They become apparent when they become apparent. It's to tell us, to point out for us, to remind us that such situations exist and that they are too much for us. Too much for us by ourselves too much for us and any collection of any resources that we might hunt up and gather to ourselves, any preparation, any thinking, any, any hiring of allies, any persuading of friends that we might be able to accomplish. It's too much for any of that. 
This situation is, and it would have killed us. Verse 1, except for this and only this, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Let's repeat it all together for emphasis. Really, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, we were doomed. Period. It had to be the Lord or else we would have been swallowed up alive. That's the underline God twice, verses 1 and 2. And the book end at the end, verse 8. Where's our help come from? Our help is in the name of the Lord. Front and back, God. We were attacked and we will be attacked by people who are angry and dangerous and too much for us. It's being emphasized here. Instinctively, almost intuitively, we are, we are slow to believe that and slow to believe that he is our hope and that he is our only hope. Instinctively and intuitively, what happens when you're attacked? You fight back and you look to gather friends and allies. Something instinctively and intuitively believes. If I think this through well enough, if I gather enough resources, if I buy a gun, if I, if I argue and lobby and protest the injustice here and vote in the right way, I'll be able to fix it and protect and secure. I just got to figure out the right combination of all those things. Instinctively and intuitively, that, that's, the, that's the way we go. Instinctively and intuitively away from God because really, really something in us does not actually think that he's more trustworthy than what I can see and gather. And I am not. We, we should not. I am, I am not speaking against doing anything whatsoever. We are people in a physical world. We are responsible acting agents. We should think. We can argue. We, we can seek to persuade. We can lobby. We can vote. Yes, of course. The point is, None of that is enough. And even if that does work in some situation, it only works because it was the Lord who made it succeed. Our help is in the Lord, front and back. That's the emphasis. Him and Him as certain help. We are to lean into Him and to trust Him in prayerful dependence. So you, you take this psalm in hand, you pick up Psalm 124, when you face attacking people of whatever sort of, whatever situation, whatever their aim is, whatever the actual reality is, you resist saying, this one's not the bad, I got this one, not a big problem. No, that's, that's pride. Take the psalm into hand in whatever situation, wherever you are attacked by whomever, whatever, you read this and you be reminded, I don't have what I need. But he's what I need, the Lord. And he's the one I have, the Lord. If not for the Lord, I'd be doomed, but I have this Lord maker of heaven and earth, 
The last point, he's the maker of heaven and earth. He's sovereign over all this stuff here that we face. He's sovereign over all these people who may attack. He's the one that I need and he's the one that I have. He is able to address and in fact he often has. I look back through all of history. Read read back through the Bible and see how many times he delivered his people. You can look back through your own life and see how many times he's delivered you. He is the maker of heaven and earth. Sovereign ruler. And he invites us, ask Turn to me, seek me, plead with me. I want to intervene. I am the helper you need, and I'm here and here for you, and I'm inclined to be a helper to you. I'm your God in covenant. You're my people. I'm the Lord, your God. You're in Christ. You're you're a Christian. This is your psalm. You're in Christ. You're a Christian. This is your psalm. Stop on that for a second. Do you know how remarkable that is? Follow what I'm doing here. I'm I'm unpacking the basics of of a rather straightforward psalm about trouble, about people being attacked and finding the Lord to be their helper and their, their shield, the one that they need, a lot of information that you know. And what I want to do is I want to say, here's how you take this psalm and move it to here. By picking up this psalm when attacked and saying, this is mine. Wait a minute. Why would this be mine? We too quickly skip right on by because I'm a Christian. I'm in Christ. This is mine, of course. By what right? Oh, we're we're gathered here. We're thinking about those ones who are attacking us. Have you ever been an attacker of anybody? Maybe you've been attacked, sure. But have you ever been an attacker of anybody? Have you ever, with your thoughts, maybe with your words, with your actions, said, my aim, my goal is to set you straight, to take you out. I've killed you in my mind with my anger. I've argued against you to win my case and to tear you down, maligned you. Has that ever been you? Uh, Yeah, it has been. By what right, then, do you say, Psalm 124 is yours. It is yours. It is yours. But on what grounds? Walk this through and it it helps move it from here to here. You think, "I, I have no right to this, but it is mine nonetheless by the mercy and the grace of God in Christ who came himself to be attacked by men and swallowed up by death and surrendered to attack in my place. That's what I should get. I should be on the other side of this. In a lot of ways, I am, but because of the grace of God, I can say, this is mine in a good way. I'm not actually left to death because he was in my place. 
I'm not an object of God's attacking, protecting power, but a recipient of that. Because Christ was for me, offered a sacrifice for my sin, for yours. You take this psalm and you press it from here to here in part by saying, I need this and I need you and I have you. Why? Not because I deserve this, not because it's automatically mine, but because you stepped into my place and took what should have been mine to give me grace and merciful help, to give me protection, to give me a shield. That, that is a, a sweet and precious truth that should lead you as you, you press that in to say, verse 6, blessed be the Lord. Blessed be the Lord. This is mine because of the grace of God. Blessed be his name. And actually can leave you saying, he's mine and I will be protected. He's mine and I will be shielded. Come, Lord, protect me. Break the snare. Let me out. And he will. That's the first pass at this psalm. One that I think some of us, some people in position of hard-pressed trouble, you can and you should take this and say, not because I'm the victim, not because I'm good, but because of God in Christ, I have God for me as shield. Blessed be the Lord. You are my help. Help me in this situation right here. Is, is that you right now? Attacked, troubled right now. Do you know what to do then with the psalm? Move from here to here. That's the first pass through. And we could stop there and we could be done there. That's a real point. But it's, to be honest, not the most interesting point for me. Because me right now, I'm not at this point of being right now attacked in such a way. And so I kind of take this, probably as many of us are, I take this and I, I want to store it up for later. Do, store it up for later. When attacked, remember Psalm 124. But we need to move through it one more time because there's something else here that I think is more important and certainly more relevant for me in the moment and the spot where I am right now, maybe for you too. This is necessarily right below the surface and we need to talk about it perhaps because it's more relevant and perhaps because it'll answer a question that's kind of in the back of our minds. Here's the second point. Most importantly, the Lord is our sure help and rescuer from spiritual destruction. So the first point is about some sort of physical, tangible destruction, some threat, some attack, and the second one is, however... Most importantly, 
He's our sure help and rescuer from spiritual destruction. This is important for us to, to say out loud and talk about here because we can look at our own lives and look around at lives of friends and pretty quickly notice you were just talking about, okay, I heard you saying that I should cry out to him and that he's a, a sovereign savior. He's the maker of heaven and earth and he wants to protect and, and he will answer prayer and he has in the past, okay? But I can't also look back at my life or look at my friends' lives and say, sometimes those attacks succeed. He lied the judge believed him, and I lost. That happens sometimes. What do you do with that? Well, you said I'm supposed to pray and cry out to God and depend on him and lean into him. Did I do something wrong? Did I not pray enough? Did I not have enough faith? Did I, was it on me? Or maybe worse, maybe worse. Maybe it's not really true. Or it's true sometimes and not true other times, just like everything else. Sometimes it seems that God comes through and, and the attack is stopped, and sometimes he doesn't, which is really kind of meaningless. So what is it? Did I do something wrong, or is, is God fickle and maybe not even there? Because sometimes the attacks succeed. What do we do with that? Well, we got to look at that and say, let's take one more pass back through and notice something else. So follow me here as I make this one more pass back through. I'm going to go backwards. Follow me as I go backwards. And then we're going to come and return to the present and say, what does this mean for me today? So follow me with this. Here in this psalm, Originally, this is faithful Israel, the Old Testament people of God, singing out responsibly back and forth, let Israel say, it says in verse 1 there, back and forth about how God delivered them from angry people raging against them and attacking them in some way. We saw that. Here's the important point. In the Old Testament, this sort of attack and deliverance often happens, it's everywhere, and it is always both physical and spiritual, simultaneously. This situation, whatever it is, it's always tangible and it's always geographic, it's always in some spot on the map and it's always some political context so-and-so is in power here, so-and-so's tribe is doing this and it's often militaristic, it involves weapons, it's very much here and now in this world, and it is also always contextually a spiritual battle. It's always presented that way. And the real concern, the most important real battle always was which one? Can you guess? Can you guess? Never the fight against flesh and blood. The flesh and blood enemies and all the attacks they mounted, the Old Testament is just, just full of them. Once God made his covenant promise to Abraham, 
From then on, Abraham's line is threatened and attacked. In Canaan, in Egypt, in the wilderness, in the promised land itself, kings and nations, by sword and spear and enslavement and murder and deception and treason, from outside all around and even from within the camp, Abraham's line, from Genesis 12 on, Abraham's line under attack. Why? Physically, tangibly, sure. The Egyptians want slave labor and the Assyrians want power and wealth. Okay, yeah, but why? That's the story. What's the story beneath the story? Always. Behind every story and every chapter, every verse of the Bible, people angry, attacking Abraham's line, but not really. The real battle is not against flesh and blood. It's the real story is Satan attacking and trying to kill the seed. Always coming for God's faithful people, trying to destroy God's faithful people because there is one coming from God's faithful people. His driving conviction, I have to stamp out these people so that that one can't come. And he'll do that physically by killing them or by luring them to worship other gods or by making them prosperous so that they forget God. Whatever, whatever, whatever means, by whatever means, the story beneath the story is the attack to pry this people away from God and extinguish them, to destroy the faithful people or to destroy faith among the people. That's the driving force that stirs all the nations to rage against God and his anointed one and his anointed people. And he, Satan, would have succeeded had not the Lord stood at their side and been a sovereign shield against all comers. Against the Amorites and the Egyptians and the Amalekites and the Philistines and the Assyrians and the wicked Israelites and the false prophets and the bad leaders and the Babylonians. Bring it. All through history, go ahead. Let the nations rage. The remnant, it's a special word in the Old Testament. That's a special word for the people of God, the faithful people of God. Sometimes it's a small group, sometimes it's larger. The remnant, God's people would have been swallowed up and overwhelmed. How often did they hang by a thread? Grasped by the teeth of a roaring lion, but God, the sovereign one, would not let them be bitten down upon and killed. The Lord did preserve his people for centuries without fail. Blessed be the Lord who has kept his covenant promise. We have escaped. That's what's really going on here in this song. The covenant people of God. Blessed be the Lord who has kept his covenant promise to us. We have escaped from some particular situation. But always. Every step of the way he has kept us from destruction yet again. That's the Old Testament. Let me come back. 
That's the Old Testament, the, the, the context, the, the story behind or the story beneath the story. We have to come back now and say, so what does that have to do with me? What does it have to do with me today? How does that help me right now? What helps in this way? The very same physical and spiritual simultaneously is going on right now in your life. Always. It always has been, it is, and it always will be. And the main, the more important one of the two is, can you guess which one? Still the same. The main, the more important is the spiritual one. Do not get lost, caught up in, focused on the physical, the material, or the tangible threat or attack. That is only the platform on which the real fight is happening. Instinctively and intuitively, we get focused on mesmerized by the threats to our physical, by the threats to our, our felt selves, don't get, don't get caught in that. Don't, don't miss. That's not the thing. The thing beneath the thing is the thing. The main struggle in your life and the main attack being launched against you daily is that of the spiritual forces of evil that are coming for you. Just like in the Old Testament. Seeking either to destroy you, you faithful one, or to destroy faith in you, to stamp out the line of Abraham today, if it's possible. To kill and destroy you, not your body, not your reputation, not your money, not your house, not your relationships, you, your soul, to kill you and drag you along to hell and position you under the wrath of God for eternity, if possible. The spiritual forces of evil, that's who the enemy is. That's who's coming at you. And they are too strong for you. You don't think they're real, do you? That guy and that argument in court, that's real. That guy and that fist is real. Spiritual forces of evil, that's, that's nice pretend stuff, I suppose. Christian, wake up. Wake up. Too many of us are walking around in Bermuda shorts and flip-flops on a battlefield. We don't realize it. Wake up. You're being stalked by a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And you can't handle him. He's too much for you. Blessed be the Lord, then, that there is one who stands by your side. Apart from him, you are doomed. 
but with him by your side. You have escaped the trap of the devil who once held you captive and who stalks you still seeking to destroy you. The Father surrendered their Son in your place and bought you out and sprung the trap for you and made you to live free. And you do and you will spiritually forever. This is the best news in all of the universe. You have escaped. Escaped. All because of Christ. So how we take up this psalm then, in part, when facing some physical challenge, indeed, take it up like we talked about earlier, pray that out. But how we, I think, more importantly, take up this psalm is we look at it and we read it, we understand all the context, all the backstory, and we understand how that applies to me now. And we see this and we read it and we pray it and we sing it. So the truth of your salvation and the truth of your security, all because of the Lord, moves from here to here and becomes verse 6 sweet and verse 7 triumphant. I have escaped. Where's your taunt of victory over me now, Satan? Death. I'm free. And you take that and you look then at the world all around you and you say, I see this guy arguing and I see this guy's fists and I see what's behind all that. I get it. I see him coming. And you pray this psalm right next to Ephesians 6 realizing, ah, my battle's not against you, friend, <laughs> enemy. My battle's not against you. It's what's driving you. And I see what that one, those ones are coming for. And I will hide myself behind the one who is sovereign, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord over all of this. And I will be safe. Had not he been at my side, I'd be lost. But praise the Lord, he is. He is. And I think then if, if, you, if you land in verse 7 saying, we have escaped, that word's there twice, escaped. If you land there properly, I think there's like one more turn in the psalm. This can be not just about me and us. This can actually be a really freeing motivation for them, for others. Speaking to us who are Christians and we sit here behind this shield and say, blessed be the Lord, thank you for protecting me, thank you for setting me free. You can think this through like Jesus would have thought this through when he took up this psalm and prayed it. I am being deliberately dropped in the lap of the evil one. And I will not be abandoned to the grave. 
My Father will not leave me nor forsake me. If he did, I would be doomed, but he will not. I will be delivered. I am free. And so then I can freely give myself for all these ones who are my enemies. I can lay down my life for them freely because I'm good. Psalm 124 tells me I am. I'm, I'm, I'm secure. Psalm 124 tells me that I've got a sovereign shield. So with confidence, I can step into a world that will at times be contemptuous and at times angry and even murderous, driven along by a force that seeks to destroy me. I can step into that and love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me and lay down my life for them that they may escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Think of 2 Timothy. Like Christ, confident and therefore not boastful and like this, but confident and therefore then like this. A heart that gets what it is to escape. A heart that gets what it is to escape. I got out. Looks back and says, but them. And, and wants to, in some way, here's the door. We hold it open. Come. Find escape. I'm not better than you. I was, I was set free. Like, you can be too. It, I think if, if you're taking up this psalm and praying it through in light of your physical attacks and in light of the spiritual attacks, that something in there should sit on the, I've escaped how can I help others escape as well? And in fact, that may be the message for some of us here this morning. I've been talking the whole morning because this is a psalm written to the people of God about what God is for the people of God. I've been talking this whole morning to those who are God's people, those who are Christians, and maybe that's not you this morning. Here's an offer of escape to you. Because what's true right now, this is about what has happened for Christians, but what's also true in this very moment, maybe even at this very particular moment, God is still at work in Christ to set captives free. Maybe that's you. You face challenges, you face an enemy that is too much for you, you cannot handle him. But there is one his name is Jesus, who is necessary, sure, and sufficient to set you free. And his invitation to everyone with ears to hear is, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Come to me if you are threatened, I will give you safety. Come to me when you notice, when you see your guilt, and I'll give you forgiveness. Come to me when you see the danger of death, I'll give you life. 
spiritual life. This is the greatest thing in all the universe. Blessed be the Lord who stood at our side to give it to us, to keep giving it to us, and to one day give it to us permanently, fully, forever. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Steve Clark of the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcebfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.